We are Natalie and Matthias. We welcome you to our conversations with B2B ecosystem experts and platform founders. Our goal is to uncover what they learned and help you to launch and scale platforms, marketplaces and business ecosystems. Enjoy! to this new podcast in our series, Podcasts for Future. I'm Nathalie Dumas-Lamborghini, and I'm here with my co-host, Matthias Walter. Hello, Matthias. Hi, Nathalie. Hi, and today we are very proud to welcome a thought leader on platforms, Mr. Evangelos Abramakis, who's head of digital ecosystems, uh, ecosystem R&D uh, at uh, Swiss Ray and is a part of the research arm of Swiss Ray. Hi, Evangelos. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for having me invited. So Evangelos is based in Zurich and uh, today this uh, podcast is actually uh, the second part of our mini-series on ecosystem strategy. And who best to talk to than uh, somebody who's a thought leader uh, in a big insurance company, so Swiss Re. And uh, Swiss Re has actually, uh, because it's... Uh, such a um, uh, big company based in many countries across many uh, uh, different markets has got to manage uh, very complex ecosystems. So as a result, they've conducted a, a lot of research uh, and thought leadership on platforms and ecosystem. And uh, they have the broadest research, in fact, from an insurance perspective uh, on platforms and ecosystems. So um, today, uh, Evangelos is going to uh, share a little bit of that uh, or some insights of that uh, thought leadership with us. And we're going to talk about uh, some topics like, um, you know, what is the difference um, between ecosystems and platforms? He's um, going to uh, give us some insight also about some of the latest research. So maybe it's better to let you talk, Evangelos. So uh, uh, if you could uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what you're doing uh, for our listeners. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so I'm Evangelos, part of this Swiss Re research arm within a Swiss Re called Swiss Re Institute. Um, my focus areas is uh, about, you know, the kind of mid to long-term development. So what is happening outside, how it's happening outside, what are the kind of emerging technologies, but also consumer behavior, but also uh, businesses that are changing the current settings. And what does this mean finally to the insurance industry? And yes, then finally to us as a Swiss Re company. So it's really about forward looking market developments which have sooner or later implication on our industry. And part of that is for sure how um, platforms and ecosystems are evolving as part of the new business models that are emerging all over the places. And there we could focus on in general, what is what are ecosystem and platforms, but also we could go more into specifics where we talk about mobility, where we talk about healthcare, where we might talk about agriculture or supply chain, because the underlining drivers are more or less the same. Um, and that's exactly an area which is very, very much interesting to us because in the very end, it's going to be a, a data-driven you know, business in the future going forward. And this is why it's very, very important to have a 
very early understanding about these key developments and drivers, and then to really try to adapt actually the own insurance business model towards uh, the future, if you will. Um, thank you for this uh, intro. We, uh, we know each other also for a while. So we have also done some keynotes together and uh, some workshops together. So it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I can fully underline that you are a thought leader in this topic. Um, but for our listeners so that they can better understand, can you give them a kind of a brief intro? Where do you see is or what is the difference between an ecosystem and a platform just in general so that as a, as a high level intro sure i mean we can let's focus a little bit perhaps on on mobility because that's a very good case to explain it so what in general i try to understand to distinguish between three different types of, you know, business models, if you will. One is the kind of digital product where you access more or less the vehicle. This could be a car or a scooter or a bike in a digital way where you more or less offer a kind of insurance based on, based on this kind of vehicle. This is a digital product where you might get access to some kind of data and then you propose the kind of value proposition. That's the, the, the first thing. When it comes to platforms, what you try to create is a kind of try to arrange it in a, in a very central way at the demand and supply side. So who is offering the services or the products and who is offering, who is demanding this kind of product and service. So you combine actually the demand and supply side the best you can. When it comes to ecosystem, you don't only focus on one area where you don't only focus on cars. So when we talk about Uber as a platform, where you talk, where you try to en enrich actually the experiences and try to provide additional services, this could go in any direction. This could go from, from different kinds of types of modes, different types of vehicles. So we can go from scooters to bike to to everything, but also it could go to any direction when it's about, you know, adding new financial services or healthcare services on, on top of that. Then we talk about a wider kind of um, platform because you involve other stakeholders around, then you create a so-called ecosystem where it's not only about one vertical where you try to connect the demand and supply side, where you enrich with many, many other partners and where you also exchange data and insights among different partners in order to leverage actually the value of the ecosystem. So the leveraging value is actually one of the key elements, especially in ecosystem designs, where you try to um, enrich the experience, but also uh, increase massively the stickiness to the relationship to different stakeholders, not only to consumers or suppliers, also to other partners involved. That's a key difference, I would say. When you're describing it like this, uh, it seems to me that a platform sounds easier than ecosystems. Uh, and having orchestrating a journey around and, uh, and uh, within an ecosystem seems like a quite a complex thing to do. How, how uh, would you give some differences uh, in terms maybe of complexity, in terms of steps that you need to take between the two? So very interesting is that uh, there's no super ecosystem around the world that started with an 
purely ecosystem design, saying, by the way, we want to become an ecosystem, and this is why we aggregate all the services and partners together. They started very, very small with a very dedicated use case, and this is what they've done perfectly. So if I compare, as an example, Grab in Southeast Asia, which is now becoming the super app of Southeast Asia, they started with transportation. So they more or less bought Uber and started with, let's say, a very decisive value proposition, how to bring people from A to B and how to generate a platform that you're able actually allowing, uh, offering the services. And then over time, they extended the value proposition. And this is exactly the same case with Amazon, where they started with, with selling books at the beginning, and now they more sell everything, if you want. And all the ecosystems, no matter whether they're called Rakuten or Gojek or Tencent or Alibaba, they all started very decisively in a very, very narrowed focus. They all started with rather a platform in comparison to they developed over time becoming an ecosystem. And now it looks like an ecosystem. It looks like, wow, they have every part involved. This is really huge and big, but this was not the initial starting point. The second aspect, and that's to me the other point that is important, is they thought about what are the relevant services from a consumer journey perspective that make sense to add into our most natural kind of, you know, um, uh, product. So what's going to be the next thing consumers do? So they didn't think on a vertical space, thinking about how can I sell X, Y, Z? They thought about what could be before and what could happen after. And this is why they extended actually the value proposition. And that's to me the second aspect. First of all, the platforms, demand supply side, very narrow field, and then extending the value proposition towards where the consumers of how the consumer is behaving. But do you think that, uh, because we often get that question, those who are actually uh, successful now in, uh, in building those big ecosystems, did they actually have this in mind or, uh, at the beginning? Or do you just start with a platform and see where it takes you? I think you always have a kind of vision, right? What you can achieve. But first of all, you need to prove that you can get traction and that you can scale. So the, the, there's, there are just two angles to look at it. One is you enter a business model, let's, let's take Uber, and then you try to scale fast at the very first, you know, at the very beginning. So how can you extend the value proposition Uber into different markets at the same time? That's the primary goal first. You don't extend the value proposition, as I was describing before, into other areas of life or into other mobility areas when it comes to Uber. So what you do first is you scale first and then you add other value adding products or services on top of, of that. So the scalability is always, or most of the cases, the first thing you do. And then you start, because you need to get access to, um, to trusted relationship with consumers and with suppliers. And if you got this right, then you can extend naturally actually the value proposition. And to enough data, uh, I suppose, to then uh, be able to choose which next services you're going to deploy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the, the, the data in the very end is at your core. So you use, you analyze, and you model based on the data availability. You model actually 
the best customer experience. As an example, where do you need to drive the Uber cars where, they, where the demand will be highest? So only to get this right, you need to really do, to understand where the next kind of you know, demand is coming from. This is why you need to um, reuse the data uh, sets available or the models available in order to drive more value because you need to provide value on both sides similarly, so on the demand side, but also on the consumer side. So it's not like doing it for one area might be enough. You always need to increase value on all stakeholders involved. At the beginning, it's only supply and demand. Over time, it might go into different directions. So you mentioned before that um, ecosystems evolved out of platforms. So what we have seen is like Amazon, et cetera, all the big platforms evolved into an ecosystem, starting in a niche and then becoming a broader value proposition. Now we see COVID-19 and uh, Corona. Uh, do you see um, that this is accelerating this trend or do you see also some other changes regarding the behavior of the consumers, maybe also the, yeah, the expectations from platforms they have. Uh, how do you see what is the impact of COVID-19 to, to, to this whole ecosystem? Let's split up perhaps in two areas. One area is how to get really prepared in order to be able to play in the at COVID or post-COVID world. And the second is the consumer behavior. And perhaps the third one was the implication To the, to the platform business and ecosystems. So the first one is about, you know, many companies have introduced a kind of virtual agent uh, kind of proposition. So you want to buy something in a store, you have a camera, so you can talk to the agents sending you the stuff, especially in retail, this is common sense. So what you're using is Zoom or Microsoft Teams, whatever, as the kind of um, alternative channel in order to do things in the same way like before. So you just shift the channel from physical to digital, but what you have not done, and that's the problem, is the underlining processes have, are still there where they were before. So if you not have an end-to-end -end engine, if you not do that in a very digital and data-driven way, just because of COVID, this doesn't change. So you might have a tactical solution, which works, works perfectly for interimistic kind of solution shift or a sales shift, sales channel shift, but you might need to invest in technologies and in the business model where you can easily scale. So the scalability is actually what matters now in the COVID phases. So if you compare Ping An Good Doctor, which is a fully digital kind of value proposition. So this is part of the wider ecosystem of Ping An Group. And this is focusing only on, um, only on healthcare. First thing, they integrated a lot of services that really make sense, that really add value to the consumer on the post-COVID, on the COVID side. So they aggregated, you know, all the information that are important for the pandemic. They added, uh, they added emergency calls, epidemic maps, everything you can imagine, just focusing on this particular topic on COVID. But because they were a data-driven business model, it was very easy to them to to extend or to scale the value proposition. They, uh, I think they had about 900% of download increase over this short period of time. So this magnitude shows that the data-driven business models can really scale. An incumbent company, which is not really very, very 
uh, I would say very, very digital driven in the very end, might struggle on the scalability side. So data-driven business models have the, let's say, are enabling or are best enablers for scaling, especially in the, in the COVID area. The second aspect is focusing on now on the consumer. So what is now relevant to the consumer? So what we have seen is a massively increased digital adoption in all the areas. So everybody's using, you know, <laughs> the new tools like MS Teams. So this is, you know, um, this is becoming more a kind, a kind of a golden standard. It was not before, but now it's for everybody a golden standard. Everybody's using um, delivery services. Everybody's using e-commerce shops. Everybody's using this digital enabled services in a much wider uh, pace than before. So the purchasing behavior has also changed just because of the COVID. And then the mobility area has changed in addition. So if you don't commute to work, the new mobility patterns actually changed. What does not change is, is the underlying insurance for your mobility pattern, which is a kind of a problem to my mind. So if, if a behavior is changing, the insurance proposition should adapt to that level as well. And there's another on the healthcare side as well. As well. So awareness in health has changed dramatically. People are interested in understanding pandemics, but also understanding what they should do and, and what they shouldn't do, where to get access to, to services and this is digitally actually enabled in the very end. And the last point is, to my mind, uh, one of the most important ones, the interpersonal behavior is changing massively. So the way we interact with each other through the digital channels are just not the same in compared to, to the physical one. So this means all the empathic interactions might, might, might suffer, right? And this is why, to some extent, uh, the loneliness, the, the mental stress might just increase because everybody works from home and this has an additional flavor. So all these areas, so digital adoption, mobility, purchasing behavior, uh, the health awareness and the interpersonal behavior, this has now a fundamental impact on platforms and ecosystems because if you can access the services and if you can access them very, very conveniently in the wider range, you will you will do this just because it's very, very convenient to get everything under one kind of umbrella, under one kind of, you know, um, app, if you will. And that's actually the, the further driver of this digital enabled business models where you get access to services as a consumer because the services actually matter to you most. And the digital aspect is actually the key driver of that. Dear listeners, I hope you enjoy our podcast and you can learn more about building and scaling a successful platform business. I'm Matthias, CEO of Fastbreak One. And as you know, we at Fastbreak One are platform entrepreneurs by heart. Since over 20 years, we are building new platforms and this makes us one of the most experienced platform venture builders around the globe. If you are a corporate and you tried out different strategies, consultants, IT partners, but your platform initiative struggles to scale, please check out our assessment services. Learn more about our experience and our practices of work at our website www.fastbreak.one or send us an email to contact at fastbreak.one. And now let's go back to the conversation. So there's this, uh, you as a company, you have to invest or do you continue to invest into the capabilities uh, to leverage data to uh, yeah, your kind of intelligence 
capability to leverage the data and build up value propositions based on the data and also to have a closer look at the consumer behavior and how is this uh, how this is uh, yeah how 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 this changed and uh, what is required how do you see is also the b2b business impacted by covid-19 and maybe the change consumer behavior is there also now an, a new room for platforms opening up or yeah um, in the b2b context um there, there are some other drivers that are to some extent um matter most uh, one which is very very crucial is you need standardized connections you need standardization Uh, in order to make this uh, this platform business play. So no matter what you exchange products and services, you need to standardize them in a way that it's, you know, you can offer them on a, on a platform. So the, this might be slightly different. The other thing is that uh, in comparison to B2C uh, platforms, the B2B uh, platforms, the demand, uh, the, the supplies, not the problem. The demand is where the problem is. And on the other hand, the B2C models of the B2B plat B2C platforms, this is the, the key driver is actually the demand side, not the supply side. So you have the opposite um, directions on, on that on that space. And the other thing uh, that is um, that I just uh, alluded just before on the standardization, if you need to involve other stakeholders or other supplies, so the, the, the supply chain of the supply chain, other suppliers that are supplying you, if you will, you know, this kind of standardization of the data sets is crucial because you need to exchange this value with different partners on the platform. And this is, uh, to me, um, much, much different compared to If you get this right, then you have the productivity increase that is actually over as an overarching goal, which is the key key driver. So productivity is leading actually the game. And on the consumer side, it's more the customer experience. So Evangelos, could you give maybe a couple, an example uh, to illustrate your two points or, or two examples, <laughs> one for each, please? So sure. So let's take agriculture. So if you, if you try to find now somebody who is delivering you, um, let's say the seeds, for the farmer. You need to standardize it because it's not only one farmer you will approach, you will perhaps add different kind of sellers on the platform that you can, that you can sell the goods. So you need to find a standardized way how you interact with the, the supply side, but also the supply of the supply side. So this means Unless you don't have a standardized way of doing that, and you need to align the whole platform environment and doing that, it's not going to be possible actually to exchange anything just because you do that on a digital way. So imagine before, if you could sell something on paper, you have the paper doing that. Now you do that on a platform. The platform means that you need to structure the data. You need to standardize the data in order to be able actually to do exactly these value exchanges the best way. That's a huge, huge difference than before. And um, so understanding the change of behavior of the consumers is one thing and also understanding what is the impact to the value chain, et cetera. And how can I, or how I have to, reposition myself for the future or after in the post-COVID world, but how to change the, yeah, the, 
the execution is the other thing. So how can you, so you are part of a, a think tank or an R&D department and you are helping Swiss Re to better understand the whole thing. But how can you also influence the decision-making of your executives to really make changes to the business model? So is there any kind of learning you you can you can say, this is, yeah, this is something you have learned in, in talking to executives, in talking to leaders, and uh, to help them to really making the, 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 the change in the business model. So this might depend on the, the leadership as such, right? So who is in the um, board of directors or the executive teams? And uh, I think we are very happy that we have a very experienced kind of team who is very interested in getting things right also for the, for the future. So we look into the future because we want to create what is really relevant and what creates value to, to, to us, but also to the societies. So we don't, we are not really sh short time focused, if you will. So this means uh, <laughs> I don't need to convince everybody, like, you know, evangelize the whole organization until they start listening to what I'm saying. This is not the way it works. And I think, um, I think what we do with our kind of work and publications, we start engaging with us internally, but it doesn't mean that we have, we are the kind of execution arm of, of doing that, but also we start engaging and sharing the insights with our partners and clients. So we do that for internal purpose, but also supporting actually our cust current customer base and client base. So it goes to the right. So we are a, shared knowledge company, if you will. And I think this goes also to um, what you're saying to me is, is, is uh, it goes with the, the ecosystem's thinking. Uh, I always make the parallel when, when I'm talking about platforms and ecosystem. Uh, a platform orchestrates an ecosystem, even if, uh, you know, you're, we start initially with uh, maybe only supply and demand, but eventually there are other partners, etc. But um, as you rightly said earlier, if we, we need to make sure that each party will get benefit and will uh, get value from the platform. Otherwise, just like in nature, if a, an element of the ecosystem doesn't uh, or, or fails or doesn't find interest and leaves the ecosystem, then the whole ecosystem fails. So I think what you just described in uh, uh, also in uh, sharing what you, you are learning with your ecosystem goes towards that in my mind, this ecosystem spirit. Exactly. Uh, I think w w the first challenge is that we all talk the same language. Right? What is what is a platform? What is an ecosystem? Why this is this so relevant and why this might have a huge impact on the business? I think the first angle is only to educate people that we can talk about the topic. It's something like AI. Everybody talks about AI, but what is it exactly? I mean, that's the same topic. You need to educate in order to people are very comfortable. So the empowering of the organization on that piece is, is very, very important. Second is the speed of these different platforms and ecosystem developments, they vary among globally. So what happens in China might not be very much appropriate to, to Europe because we don't have this environment. We don't have this underlying um, enablement infrastructure. So many things are just missing and many things are 
perhaps not also allowed doing it the same way. So every region and market has a different kind of culture, but also attitude, but also infrastructure. So the underlining kind of enablement technologies might vary among, among different regions and locations. And that's the second aspect. The third aspect is, you know, and from which business unit angle are we looking into that? So is it lines of business on health? Is it on mobility? Is it on supply chain? Is it on agriculture? So that's another angle which makes it also more, more difficult because this might vary even more in different regions around the world. So this is not that easy. This is why a lot of the discussions are very on a local level, regional and local level, which makes absolutely sense. Some of them might have a wider regional or even global impact, but actually you, you start on a, on a local level on doing that. For, for me, it also sounds a little bit like that with COVID-19, Our focus right now is really on health, the economy, et cetera, and what is the impact and how can we yeah, get rid of, let's say, COVID-19 and come to a kind of a new normal. But what about sustainability? This is a, a huge thing for our whole uh, mankind so and our planet. So this is also putting a lot of pressure on our society and our businesses, etc. So how do you see sustainability and COVID-19 and the changes in consumer behavior? Yeah. Um, belong to each other. And uh. so I think the, the good thing is that, you know, even pre COVID this topic was, was there. So, you know, we, we, it, it got a lot of traction already now with the COVID discussion, it goes a little bit in the background, but this doesn't mean that this is not going to stay relevant in the future. So I think just after post COVID, you will see everything around, uh, ECGs, all this kind of, you know, um, uh, developments that are really, really important for humankind. So I would, I would say even there will be more pressure getting into this uh, direction and a new business model will emerge just because of that, for sure. So it's just something we don't see, but it's not something, it doesn't happen in the background. Okay. And um, so you, so, so you mean you, um, with the, with the sustainability aspects, we have seen also a lot of changing behavior in the consumers. So they have bought other kind of products. They have looked at where is this product coming from. So also companies needed to adopt and uh, or adapt their, their, their supply chains and, and so on. So um, how do you see also how this will be an impact on, on forming ecosystems? So when I building up an ecosystem and I move from a platform towards an ecosystem, what kind of those, of those aspects I need to consider? So here we're talking about the desired outcome. If the desired outcome is profitability and sustainability, if you will, then you need to derive the whole platform ecosystem, all the players towards that goal. So you need to align the incentives that this will happen. If you don't, if you don't align the incentive, you cannot expect that something will happen. This could come from outside pressure where you might not get access to assets or to credits, whatever, so to funds, if you will. But on the platform ecosystem, if you derive the, the, an index, let's say, on, on sustainability and you, you don't add this kind of, uh, make this very transparent, the, this transparency and the driving forces towards the kind of goal will 
drive also the ecosystem development into this direction. So I would expect that going forward, we will see many more indicators from a transparency side on platforms and ecosystems, but also we will see incentives going in this direction, no matter whether the incentives are coming from, from corporations, from governments, from, from, from the public uh, do domain, I mean, from any direction. So I think the pressure will increase, which, which is actually a very good sign. -off. Yeah, this is also what we see with a lot of companies. They are um, yeah, measuring themselves against those UN sustainability goals and uh, put some metrics on them and say, okay, let's, let's, let, yeah, let's keep track about where we are against those goals and uh, what can we give back to the society, to the planet, etc. So not just for profit. Um, coming to the end of our podcast, we always ask our guests uh, a kind of a final question. So Evangelos, what would be your most uh, important advice to other leaders regarding platforms and ecosystems based on what you have learned in the last years? So I think one of the many, many people see what is happening around us. So it's not like, you know, people are not aware of what is happening. The ultimate question is always how can you get prepared and how can you get ready? Because you really need to do things in a slightly different way. And the ultimate question is, can you do that within the core of the organization, within the core of the classical incumbent setup? Or do you need to create a kind of separated business unit in order you can start thinking about how to get this done right? So to me, key is if you don't separate it as a separate discussion from strategy to implementation, to execution, to piloting, whatever, you will always try to measure it with the same KPIs. And because this is a new venture, a new journey you will go because you don't know how to align the value proposition. You don't know how to align the, the uh, how to get access to data and what you do with the data sets, you will get access. Everything will be new. This means that you cannot expect that you will do that at the very, you know, with the first pilot, the best way. You just cannot expect that. So if the KPI will be to make profit in the first year, I'm just not sure that this is the most appropriate KPI for getting into this kind of new, new world. So my advice back will be, if you really take this seriously and you want to get, you know, get started in this journey, do this aside of the organization. Try to protect it, cocoon it, but don't integrate it at the very, very beginning because you will start killing it before it's actually born. Yeah, very good advice. It's also what we have learned when building up ventures um, that um, yeah, you will be uh, very fast be tracked into back into the uh, mother organization, and then you will have a lot of yeah also political discussions and, and, and other obstacles you have to overcome, but not building up the business. So thank you, Evangelos, for joining our conversation here. And um, for the listeners, if you are interested in, in, in more about the research, um, Re has done a lot of that, uh, a lot have also published a lot of reports. Please go to their website. We will also put the link to the, um, to the reports into our show notes. And uh, so you, you can follow Evangelos for more and uh, we highly recommend to, to follow, follow him and also the, the, 
yeah, the outcome of the Research Institute. Thank you, Evangelos, for joining. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Evangelos. Thanks, Matthias. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Fastbreak One, your platform venture builder. If you want to learn more about our services and how we help corporations to launch and scale platforms, please visit our website www.fastbreak.one. And don't forget to tune in in two weeks for a new episode.